welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Maybe all the above. But nonetheless, I hope that you guys have had an opportunity to take a winter break, spend some time with family and friends, and uh, honestly, just enjoy yourself for, for the end of 2019. I know that like the last couple days gets kind of mumbled up together you don't know it's if it's wednesday or if it's saturday or whatever especially during the holidays but i hope that you guys have had a good one uh just because as we go into week 17 the final week of the regular season for the nfl schedule uh i just can't believe it man it's been especially in the nfc west uh i think we've all been blessed to see a lot of really good high intense games that come from our division which is the nfc west because you have the Niners currently first place at 12 and 3. They are coming off a very, you know, the last couple games have been pretty dramatic, but they're coming off a 34-31 Saturday night football game victory against the Rams. And so they flop onwards into the first place seeding in the NFC conference for now, and I'll get to that in a bit. Um, you have the Seahawks they were upsetted at home, uh, eleven and four record, and they lost twenty-seven to thirteen to the Cardinals. Yeah, man, a bit of an upset, especially when you consider it was a game that they they kind of needed to win. Um, I can get to that in a bit as well, but you know, at home. So out of their four losses this season, three of them have been at home, and yeah, it was uh, it was a rough one at home, especially when you consider why they needed to continue to win outright for this season. Um, right now, so you know, with that loss, they go back to second place in the NFC West, and you know, going fl- flip flopping back and forth, uh, they currently have the number five seed in the NFC Conference for playoff seedings. Um, but even if they were to beat the Niners in this upcoming game, which I'll talk about, uh, it gets kind of complicated, and so this loss does not help them for their playoff aspirations from a seeding perspective. And then lastly, you have the Cardinals. Cardinals, man. I mean, they're on a two-game win streak after going on a six-game losing streak. Uh, but this one was pretty sweet for the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray at Seattle. Um, it's been, you know, it, it's historically it's really tough to play at Seattle. Uh, but they played one hell of a game. They treated this game essentially like their playoffs and sent their parting gift to their divisional rival, uh, to the Seahawks, and they ran it down the Seahawks' throats. Uh, Kenyon Drake had an 80-yard touchdown from the get-go, and honestly, man, it was it was a really solid win for the Cardinals. So, you have Niners 12-3 first place, Seahawks 11-4 second place, you have the Rams 3rd place 8-7, and, and you have the Cardinals 5-9-1. And, and having said that, the Rams, with that loss to the Niners, they're officially out of playoff contention. And the Cardinals, they're you know they've been out of playoff contention, but you know with that win right there, uh, that puts them at five wins, which makes things really interesting uh, for the games ahead of time for Week 17. And the reason why I say that is you know there's only a handful of teams right now that are vying for a playoff berth, playoff seating, winning the division, whatnot. But there's a handful of teams that are either you know, trying to solidify their seeding in the in the playoffs or they're trying to get a, get a playoff berth. And so you're going to see a handful of teams that are going to be vying to take that last photo finish in the season. And then you have a handful of other teams that are trying to end it on a high note. You know, they have a losing season. They're not going to make the playoffs. But, you know, for, for players and for coaches, for their jobs, and I'm pointing at you, Rams, um, they want to end this on a high note. Maybe they're not going to make the playoffs, but you know they, they still are playing for pride. They're playing for their jobs. And so there's that. And then there's the other tier. Um, you know, you have the Cardinals, you have the Jaguars, you have the Panthers, the Chargers, Giants. You know, Dolphins. I mean, th- these guys. It's kind of an interesting point where you know they haven't had a good season by any stretch of the imagination, but. Um, I always wondered, you know, for fans, how do you feel this? Because all those aforementioned teams, they have about four wins or five wins respectively. So do you want to win this game, this final game of the season? 
where do you want to purposely, well, I won't say purposely, but kind of, uh, do you, you want to lose this game so you can get a better draft selection in the first round? So there's that, there's those guys so that the four or five win teams, because that's going to kind of shake that out. And then the bottom tier would be, you know, like the Bengals, the Lions, one win, two win, three win teams where, um, in that same thing, you know, do you want to try to win? Um, or you want to just try to try to get a better seat for NFL draft time? It's those three tiers. They're, they're teams that are vying. There are teams that are playing for pride. And there are teams that, uh, you know, they can go either way. Um, draft selection and all. So um, let's go ahead and get into week seven, though, in the NFC West, okay? So week 17 in the NFC West, kind of similar to week 16 because, I mean, as we wind down on the season, it tends to be that divisional teams are going to play within the division to end the season. Um, that's like across the board for all NFL teams. So it makes my job a lot easier because there's four teams in the division and they're playing each other. So there's two games to cover. Uh, One twenty-five game Pacific Standard Time afternoon game. You have the Cardinals going to LA Rams. And like I mentioned before, the Cardinals, they're five wins, nine losses, one tie. Uh, and they're playing at the Coliseum in Los Angeles against the Rams, who are currently 8-7. and seven. And so a couple things going into this game. Cardinals, they're on a two-game winning streak, and they like to end the season strong. There's that. Uh, but then you also have Kyler Murray, who is coming off uh, a hamstring strain. He didn't finish the game last week against the Cardinals. Oh, not against the Cardinals, against the Seahawks. Rather, it was Brent Huntley that came in. And won them the game. It was great, uh, considering that the former UCLA Bruin played for both the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And so for the Cardinals to pick him back up and use him against the Seahawks at Seattle, that's pretty sweet, man. That's pretty sweet. And so uh, the question is for Kyler Murray, you know, uh, he is a game time decision, a true game time decision. They haven't said yes or no um up to this point and so you know do you want to play your your rookie quarterback um that has a lot to do with how i I view this game and then conversely you have the rams where they're off a really tough loss again you know they, they lost previously to the niners and then the week before they lost to the ravens um some really tough games uh where you know, the defense has been rather solid for the majority of the year, but, you know, you're not seeing that in the last couple games that we've seen. For the Niners, they had, they were faced with third and 16, not once, but twice in the final drive on Saturday Night Football, and they allowed the Niners to convert. Uh, not only convert, but on like the second, third, and 16, which is, uh, this, this is rough for, for any Rams fan. The second, third, and 16, Jimmy G finds Emmanuel Sanders for like a 45-yard reception. Wide open down the middle. It was a blown coverage. And then they got the field goal range and they won the game. So you're having, you know, an obvious frustrated Rams team. But they're 8-7. And and I think for all intents and purposes, they want to win this game. uh, Because, well, for one, you know, if they lose this game, they finish with an 8-8 record. That is pretty shitty for the entire staff, considering they just made the Super Bowl one season ago. So to go from Super Bowl contenders to a true 500 Jeff Fisher sort of finish is not good for Sean McVay in his third year as the head coach of the Rams. That's not good. Uh, you also want to, to win this game because, well, where are they playing at? They're playing at the Los Angeles Coliseum. And for those that do follow intense with the Rams, this is going to be their last season at LA Coliseum. Also home of the USC Trojans. Um, it was, you know, for Pete Carroll, uh, that was his last time playing at LA Coliseum where um, the Rams beat the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. Um, three, three, three weeks ago, I believe. So there was that. Um, but this is truly going to be the last home game at LA Coliseum because they're not making the playoffs and the Rams are slated to start their 2020 season with their new stadium right in Inglewood. 
Inglewood. So they got a brand new stadium. So this is going to be pretty cool for LA Coliseum, their last home game stand. And I mentioned it. You know, they want to win this game. They don't really give a shit about, you know, kind of like the predicament, like the Cardinals or the Giants or whatever. Uh, they want to win this game because it doesn't matter about draft picks. You know why? They've traded all their first round draft picks. Like, like seriously, you know, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Ramsey, like they've made a, a couple of big trades the last couple years. And yeah, man, they don't have that many draft picks, let alone a first round pick for the 2020 draft. So it doesn't really matter if they win or lose from a draft pick perspective. And so if that's, you know, if all things being equal, yeah, they want to win this game. They want to win for LA. They want to win for the Coliseum. They want to win for their fans and more importantly, for their jobs, both players and coaches. Okay. So you have that. And then conversely, you know, for the Cardinals, uh, Kyler Murray or not, this is kind of a weird position for them too, because they're finishing off this season strong with two really good wins the last couple of weeks uh, against the Browns and the Seahawks. And so you would like to finish out the season outright uh, and, and beat the Rams. But uh, I'm, I'm just saying, like, do you really want that to happen? Because right now they have five wins, but so do the Panthers. So do the Jaguars, the Chargers. They all have five wins right now. And the Dolphins and the Giants, they have four wins, right? So these are six teams where they can either win the game or lose the game. But these are six teams that will pretty much be in that top 10 of draft day selection. But depending on how they finish based off week 17, that will dictate where they are in the draft order. So, I mean, I think that the Cardinals have proven with Kingsbury and Murray that these are their guys. This is the right head coach for them moving forward. They're not going to fire him like they did with Steve Wilkes after one season last season. And, you know, drafting Kyler number one after Josh Rosen, the previous draft class, uh, he looks like the real deal. He looks promising. He looks special. He looks like, you know, everything that you want out of a number one pick. So I think that they have accomplished what they needed to do out of the season, which is, you know, really find their identity and move forward from this. I think that they can move forward with Kingsbury. They can move forward with Murray. So what is this game to them anyways then? You know, it's kind of like, do they want to finish off strong on, on a high note? Or do you know do they just really want to get ready for the offseason? It's, uh, you know, as a fan, you want your team to win. But these are things to honestly consider. Uh, for those that know me, I'm also a Golden State Warriors fan. And for the Warriors back in the 2000s, they would do the same thing that I'm talking about, which is, you know, they don't field a good team. They're might not making playoffs. Uh, so they're right there in the top five considerations for the NBA draft. And then they go on a big stretch. They win a ton of games at the end for meaningless games, you know. They ended on a, on a quote-unquote good note. But then instead of getting a top five draft pick, they fall to like, 8, 9, 10, where you're not going to get that same caliber of player. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So let's look at this game right now. You have the Cardinals at the Rams at the Coliseum for their last home game ever at the Coliseum. And the Rams are favored by 6 over under 45. I think, you know, schematically, when you look at this matchup, I think a lot of it has to do with Kyler Murray, whether he plays or not. If Murray goes out, Brent Hundley is certainly capable, um, but obviously the caliber of play is going to, you know, it's going to be adjusted accordingly. You know, Huntley is an athletic quarterback, but he's not Kyler Murray by any means. Um, but what I'd like to see from the Cardinals is uh, some of their younger guys. I'd like to see a little bit more Andy Isabella, who's a, you know, a former high pick uh, this year. I believe he was second round. I believe he's second, yeah, second, second, third round. Uh, but anywho, so he's a high draft pick. You want to see him in the mix. You want to see Christian Kirk. I would like to see Larry Fitzgerald continue his um, record streak of having a reception every game the last X amount of games. That would be awesome to end that on a high note. And then more importantly, too, for their backfield, you know, you have Kenyon Drake, you have David Johnson, you have Chase Edmonds, and I'd like to see. Uh, and it's just been so weird with the emergence of Kenyon Drake uh, when they tra traded for him in midseason and they kind of um, snuffed David Johnson out of 
the rotation. But I'd like to see a little bit more David Johnson and Chase Edmonds to kind of see what they really have for 2020 moving forward. Um, you know, it, it might show some teams anyways, you know, for trade value purposes with David Johnson because he's, you know, he, he just got signed to an, an extension um, earlier in the off season. So, you know, if they do choose to stick with him or not, I just... You know, you, I, I'd like to know at least what, what you're getting out of David Johnson. So there's that. There's Chase Edmonds. You like to see the younger guys play. And then, you know, for, for the defense, for the Cardinals, um, Hassan Riddick, former first-round pick, they cut Terrell Suggs because they wanted to move forward and see what they have in Hassan Riddick. He, at this point, he's been kind of a bust. Um, they put in an inside linebacker, and now they're putting him back to outside. I kind of want to see what comes out of that. And then, you know, uh, Patrick Peterson, Byron Murphy, their secondary, Buda Baker. I mean, you know, um, just just want to see what are your your building blocks moving forward for this defense because, yeah, man, uh, they need to continue to build, but you also need to understand, you know, what other pieces do you have at hand uh, going into this draft. So there's that for the Cardinals. Uh, other side. So you had the Rams. So the Rams, you know, they they should have made the playoffs this year. I mean, you know, they made the Super Bowl last year. This is a disappointing season for sure. Um, they could they could finish off the season at eight and eight, or they could be nine and seven. Uh, and they certainly have the talent. I think that you know, I'm I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but offensive line. The whole lineup has kind of been derailed, and it's affected the uh, the running game, the passing game, just just all of the above. And so, I just honestly, if I'm the Rams, I want to prove to, to my team, and you know, if if I'm Sean McVay to myself, that you know this isn't while it is an off year, you know, it's not completely like a total fail. I want to end the season on a strong note. I want to see some cohesion with my offensive line. I want to see, you know, continue to see what we have with Austin Corbett. Um, you know, Whitworth and him on a good note. Um, Bobby Evans. I, I mean, you know, there, there's a couple good pieces that have been inserted in, in the lineup. And you just want to see this unit collectively just finish strong. And they certainly can against the Cardinals defense because they're not that good. They really aren't that good of a defense. So there's that. He, uh, they certainly have the pieces because, I mean, you know, just, just think about some of the victories that the Rams have had. You had Brandon Cooks, he's back. He had a couple of really nice catches against the Niners. Cooper Cup has been a mainstay, even though his second half hasn't been as strong as his first half. But you want to see him back on the field. Robert Woods, same thing. He's got ties with the LA Coliseum because of his alumni, which is the Trojans, being a USC Trojan. Obviously, you want to give him some some touches for the final game at the Coliseum. And then, you know, Tyler Higby, tight end. He's emerged very strong the last couple weeks. And so, you know, you want to see this offense finish off strong. Uh, that is something where I think, you know, given the offensive line play and some of the erratic play for Jared Goff, you just want them to end strong on a high note because that will carry on moving into 2020. Okay. Jared Goff is going to be do a ton of money this upcoming season. Um, you have pretty much the core of the offense, pretty much all in for the next couple of years, and so you want them to end on a good note, knowing that hey, your investment will look strong moving forward. So there's that. Conversely, on the defense, I mean, you have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey, you know, you have the gang, um, but then at the same time too, they have a lot of, uh, they have some impending free agents. You know, I don't know if Eric Weddle is going to be on the team next year. I don't know if Dante Fowler is going to be on the team. He might get paid. Uh, he did a one-year prove-it deal, and it worked in his favor. Corey Littleton is going to be a free agent. I don't know what the deal is with Clay Matthews. And so, you know, I, I'd like to see uh, some of the younger guys uh, come out and about and try to see if they can make a play. I'd like to see. And you've been seeing it. You've been seeing some strong play out of Taylor Rapp, even though he's been up and down the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'd like to see David Long, cornerback out of Michigan, especially with Troy Hill out. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, just, just a couple of the younger pieces that they got in the mid-rounds and put them out there and see what we can do. Um, because against this Cardinals team, 
especially if they play Brett Hundley. I, I don't think, um, you know, I don't think too highly uh, of the Cardinals if they start Brett Hundley. So I'll just leave it at that. So let's just bring this home. You're looking at two teams with two totally different agendas, in my opinion, because for the Cardinals, as much as they like to win, um, I think that for them, they recognize that they have their guys. They just need to build on their guys. So right now they're at five wins. I would, you know, if, well, you know, I'm not the coach, but if I'm the Cardinals, it would be in my best interest to sit Murray. I don't want him to re-aggravate his hamstring further for a meaningless game. I'd rather have Huntley and put the young guys in and finish off the season with a five-win season to get that high draft pick and move forward from there. So, I mean, as much as you like to win against the Rams, I think that their playoff game happened already with the Seahawks game previously. So there's that. And then, well, for the Rams, I mentioned before, draft picks don't matter for them. It's more so their jobs on the line. You know, I've heard rumors about Wade Phillips. Um, you know, he might not be the defensive coordinator moving forward. There's, uh, there's surely some ruffling around the feathers on what they're going to do on their staff. Maybe Sean McVay might get an offensive corner next year. I don't, I don't know. But there, there's a whole bunch of things right now where, you know, they're kind of all in based off their, you know, their acquisitions and trades the last couple of seasons. And so they can't really be rebuilding. they got to be winning now. So they need to finish off strong and move forward from there. So having said that, um, you know, I don't really have too much to say because I know that a lot of it has to do on what the Cardinals do with Kyler Murray, whether he... he plays or not so go ahead and give me the rams 30 give me the cardinals 17 i think from what i've addressed these two teams have totally different agendas and i think it's going to reflect on the scoreboard so 30 to 17 rams okay so that's done leads me to a topic that obviously has been itching for me because this is for the freaking division. It's for the NFC West title, and it is going to be the last football game of 2019. It's going to be the last football game of the decade, and I'm so happy that, you know, the NFL recognized the importance of this game, especially for Week 17, with the Niners right now with 12 wins, and the Seahawks at 11 wins. This comes down to the wire. <sighs> so, NFL has flexed in the game for the Niners at Seattle at the Seahawks to play on primetime Sunday night football in what will be the last game of the year. And you have two teams where, you know, for such a tough division, which is the NFC West, I mean... If you were going to finish the season with 12 wins or 11 wins, you'd probably have the division in most instances, but not the case for the NFC West. So the Niners, they currently have a 12-3 and record. The Seahawks are one game behind at 11-4. and But it doesn't really matter because um, whoever wins this game on Sunday Night Football will win the NFC West division. And what comes with that? Well, if the Niners win the division, there's nothing really complicated about it. If they beat Seattle, they take the division, but they also guarantee themselves the number one seed overall in the NFC Conference because you have some other teams not too far behind them, which is the Green Bay Packers, and it is the New Orleans Saints. They are right there. Um, and let's just say that if the Niners win, they finish with a 13 and three record. And let's just say, you know, all things aside, if they were to tie with the Packers or, or the or the Saints, it won't matter because they solidify themselves as the number one seed because they have the tiebreaker over both the Packers and the Saints because they played both of them earlier in the year and they beat them. So it's pretty straight up for the Niners. Win this game and you win the division, you take home field advantage throughout playoffs and you get the elusive bye week so they can rest for another week and avoid the wild card. Okay, so right now the Niners are battered. They have injuries to D Ford, to Quisky Tard, a whole bunch of players right now. And so they haven't had a week of rest since, like, what, week four when they had the bye week. They played, like, 
12, 13 straight games of football. And it's, you know, you see the injury report. They have like 16, 16 players on IR. And so this is a huge thing for them if they were to win because, for one, they're, they're you know, embattled with injuries. Two, they would have home field events throughout playoffs. And three, I think that for the Niners to beat the Seahawks, it is a big mental hurdle that they would overcome as a franchise because it's crazy, man. We're, we're in 2019. We're going to the end of the decade, but it's been nearly, what, eight, nine years since they beat the Seahawks at Seattle. The last time the Niners beat Seattle was in 2011, and Alex Smith was your quarterback. I think that the, the only players from that era that are remaining are Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, and... Joe Staley. That's about it. You know, it's just a long time ago, and it's just ironic because you have them in this game for a game that, you know, outside of the three seasons of really good football for the Niners, it's been it's been all Seattle territory. You know, they have had their number for the majority of the decade, and so for them to do it to end 2019 would be a big step in the right way for 2020 and above. Conversely, for the Seahawks, okay, so they're hosting the, the Niners, and they're, you know, they have a really tough card because they've been, uh, they've been dealt with a shit ton of injuries themselves, probably even even worse than the Niners because they're starting running back Chris Carson, injured hip, he's out for the year. Rashad Penny, a couple weeks ago, towards ACL against the Ravens. He's out for the year. Cesar Procise, I think he broke his arm last week. He's out for the year. So all you have right now is Travis Homer. And he's a six-round pick out of Miami. And yeah, man, doesn't look good for them. But the caveat with this is what everyone's been talking about all this week heading into this Sunday night football game, and that is their latest acquisition. Former Seahawk, former Raider, and now renewing his vows as a Seattle Seahawk. And that is Beast Mode Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Beast Mode Lynch. And he is back in the mix in a Seattle uniform at age 33 after missing about a year, year and a half. Um, He played last time with the Raiders, and he was... Placed an IR, he had a he had an injury, um, and that ended his career as a Raider. But all the while, from what I understand, he's been keeping in shape. And a couple weeks ago, the Seahawks had reached out to him with possible interests, especially when Rashad Penny got hurt against the Ravens. And so since then, from what I understand, his his team has gotten Marshawn Lynch, you know, as ready as he can um, to be on an NFL roster. And so he's on the team, and he, you know, honestly, I don't know how well it's going to go, but you know, from a morale perspective, especially after losing to the Cardinals, this is huge. This is huge for the fan base. It's huge for the team. Uh, it's you know, going into this, they had to do something. And so, you know, you have Tra- uh, Travis Homer, a six-round pick, and he's he's cool and all, but you know, uh, you would like a veteran. And so they signed not only Marshawn Lynch, but another former. Seattle running back in Robert Turbin, uh, less spotted on with the Colts, but then he was a mid-round pick for the Seahawks several years back as well. And so you have you have Lynch, you have Homer, and you have Turbin. And so that's your three running backs right there. And, you know, f- for this team right now, Jadavion Clowney, from what I understand, he's going to be back. Shaquille Griffin, cornerback, he's going to be back. The, the one thing that really sucks about them right now is they don't have Dwayne Brown, left tackle. Uh, he, he's out knee injury I think he's going to get surgery and then you also don't have Quandry Diggs uh, safety who's been you know they traded for him from the Lions and having him in the lineup has been really good for them he's missed the last couple of weeks with a high ankle sprain and he's not expected to play so what is on the line for the Seahawks if they win or lose so if they lose kind of like kind of like the Niners both the Niners and the Seahawks whoever loses We'll get the number five seed, okay? And it, it sucks because both teams have, yeah, they have 12 and 11 wins respectively. And so whoever loses is going to play like the 9-7, and 
Cowboys or Eagles, and it's going to be at Philly or at Dallas, and you have to play the wild card weekend, which sucks. Completely sucks, you know? So that goes for both teams. Okay, so you have that. But if the Seahawks win, you know, there's a couple things that make it a bit more complicated than the Niners, for example. If the Niners win, they get the number one seed, hands down, and everything else, you know, rainbow and sunshine, it's all said and done. But if the Seahawks win, they don't necessarily get the number one seed because you have the Saints and the Packers. Like I said before with the Niners, they're right there record-wise. But then if if the Saints win their last game, if the Packers, whatever, whoever wins and loses, um, they would have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks. And so um, the Seahawks need both the Saints and the Packers to lose to secure the number one seed in the NFC conference. But otherwise, let's just say one wins, the other doesn't, blah, blah, blah. Like, it gets jumbled up. Um, but if one of those teams wins, that means that said team will take the number one seed. And then, depending on who, who loses the, the other game, you would either have the Seahawks at the two seed or the three seed. Okay, so just think of it this. If the, the Packers and the Saints go 0 for 2, then the Seahawks get the number one spot. But... If one wins, one loses, depending on who wins and loses, uh, you might have the Seahawks at either the number two spot or the number three spot. Uh, what makes things frustrating about that is, let's just say, you know, the Seahawks win. They win the division. But then, you know, instead of taking the two spot, you know, whoever wins, I, I don't know the details on this, but let's just say they get the number three seed in the uh, NFC Conference. Well, that's cool and all, but... It still sucks because here's the thing. The top two seeds in each conference, whether it's the AFC or the NFC, they secure themselves with a bye week and they don't have to play the wild card weekend, which is huge. It's huge because both the Niners and the Seahawks have a ton of injuries right now. They have a ton of injuries. And so wouldn't it suck if you win the division in the NFC West, but you take the number three seed and you still have to play on wild card weekend? That is, uh, that is rough. And so the Seahawks, that, that is uh, certainly a possibility. They would host, you know, with home field advantage, but nonetheless, they would still have to play on wildcard weekend. So it's not as simple as it is for the Niners, but that's what happens for the Seahawks because, you know, it. that's what makes this game last week so frustrating by losing to the Cardinals. If they had beat the Cardinals, it would be in the same scenario as the Niners, in which whoever wins this game wins the number one seed, period. No ifs, ands, or buts. You would have 13 wins instead of you know finishing off with 12 wins, but um, it would be undisputable on who's the number one seed in the NFC Conference. But because of that Cardinals loss, yeah, now they're in this whole fuckery of they could be one to three if they win. So, I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The Seahawks would still need to beat the Niners. And let's just look at it right now from an odds maker perspective. Because the line opened with the Niners not favored. Okay, the Seahawks were favored by one. But, you know, in light of these injuries and some of the momentum that's been going on um, throughout the week, it went from the Seahawks minus one to the Niners being favored by three. Which says a lot about the public perception because, you know, for, for the Seahawks, they have always had their number. At Seattle, Russell Wilson has not lost to the Niners since 2011. But now you have the Seahawks' three-point home dogs to the Niners. Uh, a Niners team that has never won there since 2011, but a team that, at, up to this point, seems like the more talented team. Um, this time around, they're going to have George Kittle. They're going to have a full game, hopefully, of Emmanuel Sanders. And they did not have that in their previous matchup at San Francisco when they played on Monday Night Football. And so you have that. Uh, and then at the same time, too, um, you know, you have a Niners team that, you know, they, they recognize that this might be their time as a franchise to, to make a huge statement win for Niners, Nation, Empire, whatever, you know. Bang, bang, Niner game. This is this is something that would mean a lot to these Niners fans. And so that's why you have the Niners minus three over under 47 um, so when I look at this matchup, I mean, you know, let's go on the Niners side. 
you know, I'll be really intrigued when the Niners have the football. Uh, what type of play calling we're going to get out of Kyle Shanahan? Are we going to get a lot of, you know, especially in such an adverse crowd, which is the 12s at Quest Field? Uh, what are you going to get in regards to the play calling? Are they going to be very run heavy to set up for play action? Um, you know, a little bit more conservative on the road, or are we going to see something where? You know, Kyle Shanahan pulls all the stops and has something kind of creative like what he did against the Saints. Uh, I'll be intrigued to see how they manage that. I'll be intrigued to see, in terms of the running back situation, are they continued to go with Mosters? You know, Tevin Coleman's right in the mix. Uh, are we going to see Matt Breida as the X Factor? Because Matt Breida, he hasn't really been getting a lot of love the last couple of games. Um, but then I know he's been dealing with ankle injuries and he had a fumble problem. Um when he played the, the Falcons. And so maybe they're, they're just saving him for for the final stretch because he's just as explosive as most certs. And so maybe that's something where Kyle Shanahan has like that as his trump card. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud. So there's that. And then, um, you know, overall, Jimmy G, this will be his first time playing at Seattle because last time he was hurt last year towards ACL. So he didn't play that game. And so how will Jimmy G, and this is something where we've been asking this question all season, but, you know, does Jimmy G have that clutch game factor? Uh, and he did it, he, uh, you know, you saw it last week against the Rams, he did it against the Saints, he did it against the Cardinals, but people still ask about that because, you know, this is probably going to be, and it's funny because I've been saying this like the last couple of weeks, you know, so-and-so game will be the biggest game of his career. But seriously, this is probably going to be the biggest game of Jimmy G's career again. At Seattle, week 17, to win the NFC West and do something that hasn't been done since Alex Smith in 2011. And so, how does he how does he respond? That is something that I can be very intrigued to see um, because it would release a lot of bad juju, bad football, bad demons from the Niners against this uh, Seattle Seahawks rivalry. Conversely, you know when the Seahawks have the football, they don't have Josh Gordon anymore. They don't have Rashad Penny. They don't have Chris Carson. They don't have a lot of things on their offense in regards to offensive skill players um, because they've been given the bad hand, which is the injury bug. But they still have Russell Wilson. They still have Tyler Lequette. They have DK Metcalf, who's been kind of on and off lately. He actually went cashless against the Cardinals. But, you know, what is this X Factor for them? You know, I mentioned X Factor for the Niners being Mad Brito. Well, what are we going to have at hand with Marshawn Lynch returning as a Seattle Seahawk? Okay. How many carries are we going to expect? I mean, is this more of a rah-rah thing for the team and the fans at Seattle? Or is this something where you're going to see Marshawn Lynch, who hasn't played in a year and a half, are you going to give him 15, 20 carries? I mean, that is something where I don't I, I really don't know. Um Pete Carroll has mentioned in conversation that Travis Homer is going to be a big part of their game plan, and he's been with the team all year. He's a six-round rookie, and you know he had several catches last week as a receiver and as a runner um, against the Cardinals. But you know they said they'd like to have him in the mix. But kind of like Booker, I, I have no idea how much involvement they're going to put Marshawn Lynch in the mix for this game. That is something I just, you know, if he has a big run, like if he, like first carry of the game or first drive, he has like a, even like a six, seven yard gain, like the crowd would go wild. And it's good. It's good for Sunday Night Football. It's good for football fans, period, just to see Marshawn Lynch back in Seattle, blue and green. But that would be, that would be very intriguing. Okay, so I'm really intrigued to see what happens because from a play calling perspective, if I'm Pete Carroll, I mean... You know, you don't have your running backs. Uh, this run game is up in the air. So do they really want to... Are they really going to go away from the run game? Um, I mean, a lot of what Wilson, Russell Wilson does, I mean, it's because they run the ball so well and set themselves up for play action. And do you really want Russell Wilson, you know, dropping back 30, 40 times? Uh, and that is something where I, I don't know up to this point. Is it to their benefit where you have Russell Wilson, who's been, you know, he's been the MVP 
for a very long time up to until like Lamar Jackson started doing Lamar Jackson things. But, you know, Russell Wilson, he's been putting the team on his back and now it's even further heavier on his back. And so are they really going to unleash, quote unquote, unleash Russell Wilson and put things further on him as both a runner and as a passer? I don't know. Um, certainly possible, but I kind of doubt that. I still think that they're going to be, you know, true to form on what they do, which is run the football. Which leads me to like be very curious to see how well they can run the football, especially with you know their their backfield being so battled with injuries and Dwayne Brown left tackle being out. If Joey Hunt at center for Justin Britt, um, you know just a lot of a lot of shuffle on this offensive line, which isn't good. So I'll be intrigued to see what happens, and you know maybe the. Maybe the Seahawks might take a page out of what the Rams did against the Niners last week, which was have Jared Goff do like a million bootlegs and play action and rolling rollouts to get the quarterback away from the pass rush for the Niners front four. That could happen. And I hope, you know, you might hope that you see a lot more of Tyler Lookett because he only had a couple catches. I think he only had one catch, actually. Um, but you need to have... More than that, uh, he only had one catch against the Cardinals. He need to have a bigger game against the Niners, and so that's something to consider. Now, defensively, if the Niners are on defense, I mean, took another blow. Julian Taylor, seventh-round pick from Temple. He was supposed to be a factor in the run defense. They only, I think he was like the only, up to this point, he was like their only defensive lineman outside of DJ Jones who weighed 300 pounds or more. Everyone else, they were right under three. And so he was supposed to be that run stopper to replace TJ Jones. But guess what happened? In practice, he tore his ACL, and so he is out. He is out. They promoted Kevin Givens, a undrafted free agent rookie who's been, you know, he had a good preseason, but he's been on the practice squad. He got promoted to the active roster. So he's going to get uh, an opportunity. But uh, going back to the point about the defensive line, what are you going to see in this rotation against Marshawn Lynch and against this Seattle Seahawks team that relies so heavily on the run game? Can they bring it home? Can this run game, this run defense, um, take care of business? And more importantly, you know, it that's the first thing, take care of business, stopping the run. But how about stopping freaking Russell freaking Wilson? Uh, yeah, man. Like, he got sacked several times in the first matchup, four or five times. And so that was with a much better, healthier defensive line. DJ Jones was a huge part in their first matchup. He's no longer with them right now. Um, this defensive line, they've only had three sacks the last four games after starting the first, what, eight games with 44 sacks. And so what are we going to get from this uh, front four? What are you going to get out of Solomon Thomas? Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead. They don't have Ronald Blair, DeMontre Moore. They, have, they don't have a lot of guys that they had earlier in the season. And so, yeah, man, can you contain Russell Wilson? Can you stay disciplined to your assignments? Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him roll out and do Russell Wilson things. Can you be disciplined to, to your gap assignments? And so that is something to consider. And, you know, uh, shoot, I'm one player in particular that I'm kind of worried about is Akella Witherspoon. He had his worst game of the season last week against the Rams. He allowed three catches for 100-something yards, something ridiculous like that. Two of those catches were touchdowns to Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup. Another one was a long reception to Robert Woods. But, you know, the coaching staff, Kyle Shanahan, remains very positive that Witherspoon will rebound back. And, you know, he's probably going to get matched up again. Uh, you know, bigger cornerback, but he's going to get matched up against DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf, well, he's been up and down as a rookie this season. But, you know, he's like, what, 6'4", 6'5"? He's a big red zone target. And Witherspoon is probably going to get that matchup. Uh, I, I expect it. I expect Seattle to hone down in that matchup because um, Metcalf... Versus Witherspoon. Witherspoon is a big, tall cornerback. Um, but DK Metcalf is a jump ball receiver. I'm going to be very intrigued to see how that goes. You know, conversely, maybe not as much pressure, but K1 Williams, 
he's their nickel back. He's probably going to get lined up against uh, you know the Seahawks' best receiver right now, which is Tyler Lockett. You're going to see him pretty much in the slot uh, for most of the game, and so that's a big matchup to see. Last matchup, which is very favorable for the Niners, it's Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, right now, he leads all rookies with 69 pressures. He's been um, everything and more. He's been healthy all this year, and you know he has nine sacks for the season. It would be great if he gets another sack to make it double digits to end the season, but I feel pretty good about that because Dwayne Brown, left tackle, he's out. So you're putting, I think it's a third, fourth-round pick. He's a mid-round pick, but Jamarco Jones, he's a second-year player that they've been bringing him along, and he's going to be the left tackle, and he got his ass abused last week against Chandler Jones. Cardinals, who got, uh, I believe he got four sacks against the Seahawks, and most of that was because of the matchup against Jamarco Jones. So, Nick Bosa against Jamarco Jones, left tackle. That is a prime-time opportunity for them to, to really bring it home. And, and make a play against Russell Wilson. So we'll see what happens for that. On the other side of the football, when Seattle is on defense, you know, I, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how the secondary does. Um, just because this time around, from a pass coverage perspective, George Kittle is back. He's playing. He didn't play last time they played. So I'll be curious to see how they contain George Kittle down the middle. KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, they've been, honestly, they've been giving up a ton of plays down the middle in pass coverage. And so that is going to be very intriguing. Um, also, for defensive end, Jadavion Clowney, he's missed the last couple of weeks with a core muscle injury, but he is slated to play. And the last time he had, well, his best game of the season was against the Niners. Uh, but that is also uh, when he got that injury to begin with uh with that core muscle injury and so that game he had like what three sacks uh five tackles for losses two forced fumbles he's had he had like 11 pressures he had the game of his life against the Niners and so uh yeah man uh he's not 100% but I think anything close to like 70 60% of Jadavion and Clowney will go a long way against the Niners and so there's that to look forward to and it's going to be a good matchup because you're going to have Jadavion Clowney against Mike McGlinchey. And the last time they played, Mike McGlinchey was still... Oh, Mike McGlinchey and Joe Saley, for that matter, were coming off injuries, but they were rusty. Um, it was their first game back. And where they, um, you know, where Clowney goes on the field, whether it's against Saley or McGlinchey, it's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, can Jadavion Clowney make that same impact like he did the first time around? We'll find out. Uh, there is some optimism uh, from interior pass rush because between Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, I mean, you know, this Niners interior line, Mike Person, he's dealing with a neck injury. Uh, he's questionable to play. Daniel Brunskill came in last week against the Rams, and you know what? He didn't do that great of a job. Uh, he started at guard. And so you have that. You have Ben Garland, who's replacing Weston Richburg as center. So between Puna Ford and Jaron Reed, that's another opportunity to get to the quarterback. And then I think on the back side of the defense, which is the secondary, well, you know, the secondary hasn't been particularly good this year. So they're, well, they've been up and down, uh, but they've been a lot better with Quandry Diggs than without him. And Quandry Diggs is not expected to play, but they get Shaquille Griffin back, and that will go a long way. So probably you can get Shaquille Griffin, and you're going to have Trey Flowers starting alongside of him, and then you push down Hakeem King. Um, but, you know, I'll be intrigued to see what they do against the Snyder's passing game uh, because you're going to have, like I mentioned before, you're going to have George Kittle. You'll have the whole gang of Emmanuel Sanders and Debo uh, Samuel. So what will they do in response to that? And I think that really goes back to kind of the pass rush that they're going to get out of Jadav and Clowney, Jaron Reed. It should be interesting. Um, this Niners offensive line, they're not 100%. So we'll see. We'll see. Both teams are in battle with injuries. Niners are in better standing, but they've never beat Seattle at Seattle. A lot of intrigue. Seriously, I think that when you look at this matchup, fuck the records, fuck the rankings, you know, who wants it more? 
who wants it more? And I think especially when you saw, you know, when you saw the Cardinals beat the Seahawks, I mean, it just shows that divisional games are tough. It's hard to put a, a true finger on where each team is at because, I mean, this will be the second time they played each other this season. And both teams know how high the stakes are. Uh, who's going to show up to play? What are you going to get out of Marshawn Lynch? What are you going to get out of Jimmy G? What are you going to get out of Nick Bosa? Uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, is this his time to shine? Put the team on his back. A lot of things to find out. Kyle Shannon, Pete Carroll, I mean, this should be such a fun game to watch. It's been such a pleasure to cover this this division for, for that matter all season. And it all comes down to this. So, having said that, Niners are favored by 3 over under 47. Where do I see it right now? Uh, I think that... You know, I think that uh, I've been looking at some of the predictions, you know, between Matt Barrow, Tim Kawakami, uh, Joe Fan. I mean, you know, all the people that cover both teams, respectively, they do an awesome job. And, you know, they predicted uh, a really close matchup. Oh, you know, give it take a field goal. But I think that, you know, given, you know, given the circumstances and kind of where each team is at, I think that this is the Niners time to take it. I know that, you know, I I do like the Niners, but I'm saying this, take it for what it is, I'm saying this with no bias. I think that the Niners will start off with the Seahawks going back and forth and trying to establish the run game and whatnot. But I think that Kyle Shanahan, kind of like the Saints game, he's got some, he's got some tricks up his sleeve from a play calling perspective. I think that you're going to see some interesting wrinkles. Um from Kyle Shanahan, where eventually they do pull ahead and they maintain that lead. Pete Carroll, I mean, he's got a big task on his hand. You know, I give him a lot of credit for being a, you know, taking his, this franchise and being so consistently good the last couple of seasons, those last decade, actually, if, if I really think about it. But I think that, you know, with all these injuries, it's going to be really tough for them to do it. But don't count them out. Don't count them out. It's just, it's just tough, man. It's just tough. So give me the Niners 27-17 to 17, in which the Niners, Richard Sherman, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, all these key players finally put it together for this franchise. Finally win the NFC West. Win the NFC West. So Niners 27, Seahawks 17. All right, man. So... Once again, appreciate you guys for checking out the podcast, whether you do it through Spotify or iTunes. Continue to check me out on Twitter, at JustTheWest, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Till next time, we out here. I can't wait. Peace.